0: Now, to the sermon. Thank you for your patience. It's 1118. This is usually when Pastor Ken's starting to wrap up. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach very long. But what I do want to share with you this morning is the importance of children's ministry. For those of you that may not know, my name is Josh Plunk. I am the children's pastor here at Bethel. And I've been here since 2003. Yes, this year marks my 20th year at Bethel. And I'm so thankful that God led me to Bethel to be the children's pastor as a 13-year-old. I'm joking. I was, I was 23. So, yeah, I'm 43 now. And it's been a wild ride, but a good one. And I'm looking forward to many more years here as long as God has me and as long as you have me. I'm letting you know I'm committed to this church. I'm, committing to this, I'm committed to this children's ministry. I love being here. But why children's ministry? Why children's pastor? Well, here's a picture of my wonderful family, whom I love very much. They are the world to me. I echo the words of Jacob in Genesis 33:5 when his brother Esau looked at Jacob's children, and he said, who are these? Jacob replied, They are the children God has graciously given to your servant. And that's the way I see it. I don't deserve this. My wife and I for many years were were unable to have children. And as you can see here, God changed that. I love kids. They are my heart. Not just my own kids, but also the kids here at Bethel as well. As a teenager in my home church growing up, I grew up serving in our church's kids' ministry. In college, I was involved in several outreach opportunities to kids, one of which was Awana, which we're going to start here in the fall. My point is that from an early time in my life, God has been cultivating a desire and a burden for kids to work with young people. I am truly thankful, and I mean this, I am truly thankful for the privilege to shepherd the children here at Bethel, the next generation. I love them all so much. Thank you for entrusting me, them to me. I love what I do. There's nothing else in this world that I would rather do than be here with you at Bethel, loving your kids and shepherding them. And I mean that, truly, with all my heart. So why is children's ministry important at Bethel? That's why it's important to me. But why is it important here at our church? Well, to be frank, or Bill, or Fred, or Harry, or whatever, children's ministry is important to Bethel because children are important to God. I'm going to say that again. Children's ministry is important here at Bethel because children are important to God. How do we know that? Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5, states that children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward, a reward, like the rewards I handed out today. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Here are a couple of pictures of a quiver they hold the warrior's arrows. The arrows are vitally important to the warrior. And as this verse states, a man is blessed, happy, if he has many of these quivers' children. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child when he, oh, sorry, in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents, grandparents... Teachers, this one's for you. Our children's ministry gets about one hour, maybe two at the most, each week to train the children here. Guess who gets them the rest of the week? Parents, grandparents, teachers. You guys get them a whole lot more than that. So take your job seriously. I'm not saying you don't, but I'm challenging you to take it to the next level. 1517.org scholar Chad Bird writes, the Hebrew verb commonly translated as train up in this verse is chanak. Can we say that? Chanak. You just said a Hebrew word. It occurs only five times in the Bible. Two times it's in Deuteronomy 20 verse 5 to refer to the dedication of a newly built house. If a soldier has built a house but not knocked it, he is excused from battle. 1 Corinthians 8, 6, 3 is the third time, and 2 Corinthians 7, 5 is the fourth time. It refers to the dedication of the Lord's house, the temple. Solomon offered thousands of sacrifices to Kanak the temple. The Jewish festival of Hanukkah or Hanukkah, which celebrates the cleansing and rededication of the Lord's house is formed from this same word to train up. They kanakt the temple. They dedicated the temple. We follow. So in five occurrences of this ver- verb kanak, in four of them the object that is kanakt is a house, either an Israelite home or Yahweh's home. A dwelling is dedicated. It's set aside. It's claimed, it's owned and inhabited by someone. To canock a house is to say, this place belongs to so-and-so. It's his and no one else's. Let no one else attempt to claim it. This is the way things stand. So with that background in mind, let's take another look at this verse. Proverbs 22, 6. The Hebrew phrase sometimes translated in the way he should go is literally according to his way. With that in mind, as well as the other four occurrences of kanak, we get this, ready? Dedicate a child according to his way, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In other words, here we go, ready? This is the modern vernacular. Dear parents, grandparents, teachers, anyone that has influence over children, your own children are not really your children. They are yours, yes, but more importantly, they are the Father's children. You love them, of course, but God loves them more, loves them perfectly, has loved them from all eternity, Indeed, He loved them even to the point of death in the sacrifice of His own dear Son, by which He bought them with the price of blood. His gracious will is to dwell within them, each of these little children, to make their very bodies and souls and hearts and minds a temple of His Spirit. So, dedicate them to that way. Commit them. Chanak them to that divine life, to Him who formed them in the womb, and claim them on the cross. So we do our best. Parents, raise your hand if you're doing, if you're doing your best. Grandparents, raise your hand if you're doing your best. Now I keep referring to grandparents because... Grandparents—they're not your kids technically, but they're your kids' kids. They are family, and a lot of times you have it with them, especially if they live locally. You have time with your grandkids, yeah. This is a chance for you to knock them, to train them. Don't just play cards with them or take them to get ice cream. Yeah, do those things, but while those things are happening, knock them, train them, disciple them. My wife and I just got back from Germany. We had an amazing trip. Just the two of us. It was amazing. Don't get me wrong. I love my kids. (sighs) Her parents watched our kids while we were gone. You know what they did while we were gone those 10 days, 12 days? They trained. Yeah, they spoiled them. They went to Frosty Fridays at Wendy's. They went and got Chick-fil-A, but they poured into their hearts. I'm so thankful for my in-laws. So, yes, parents, grandparents, teachers, we do our best to help our children follow God, right? But sometimes I know I'm guilty of relying too much on myself to change, to train, Let's rely, trust in, depend on who? God our Father to do the changing, to do the knocking, to do the the building up, the training. Let's do as John MacArthur says, and insist on God's way, not our way. Teaching God's Word to them and enforcing it through consistent, loving discipline. And I purposely said those two words, consistently loving lovingly disciplining them. And while I'm on loving discipline, please keep 1 Corinthians 13 in your mind when you discipline your child. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clangy cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith... Even to remove mountains, but I don't have any love. I am nothing. Nothing. If I give away all I have, every single thing, if I drain my bank account, savings account, and give it away, and I deliver up my body to be burned, like I die, I give everything, not just my money, but my body but it's not driven by love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Let's be this way with our kids. Other verses that affirm that children are important to Jesus is in Matthew 18, 3 through 6. Jesus himself says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like one of these little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. If that doesn't stress the importance of Kids, I don't know what does. He went on to say, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. If these verses don't prove that kids are important to God, I don't know which ones do. Just a few verses later in that same passage in Matthew, Jesus says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels, the kids' angels, always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And then one last passage. I know i got to wind down here. One last passage from the Bible on the importance of children to God, even though there are many, many more, is in Mark 10, 13 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for Him to place His hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And they said, no. When Jesus saw this, He was indignant. And He said to them, let allow the little children to come to Me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child, will never enter it. And He took the children in His arms, placed His hands on them, and He blessed them. Jesus tells us here that we must come to God with childlike faith. Arms open, hands empty. Children, especially the younger ones, I'm talking about Infants, one-year-olds, two-year-olds, especially the younger ones, are completely dependent on someone else to care for them, right? They need you 24-7. We must come to God completely dependent on Christ's work on the cross as our only way to be saved from God's wrath and have a relationship with Him and have eternal life. I'll share with you you what Paul the Apostle said when he was given the chance by the rulers in the synagogue in Antioch to finally share a word of encouragement. He said, brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins. Everyone who believes in Him is made right in God's sight, That's what it comes down to. It's only through Jesus. And you need to understand, in order to understand the gospel, in order to become a Christian, in order to be a follower of Christ, you have to understand, first of all, that sin separates us from God. I have a slide here. It's the classic bridge illustration that portrays the separation between between us and God. Here we are. Sin, separation. Here's God. Big, huge gap. We cannot have peace with God or forgiveness of sins or eternal life unless we, two things happen, repent and have faith. Turn from sin, God, I've done wrong, I know that my life of living for self is not the right way, I repent from it, I turn from that life of sin and self, and in faith I believe that Jesus died for me. You believe in the cross. The cross bridges the gap between us and God. And then when you do this, repent and believe. Forgiveness takes place. And I have a picture here that I love because forgiveness, it happens because of what? Because of the nail pierced hands. If Jesus wouldn't have died and had his nails, his hands pierced and, and, and given up his life on the cross, then we would not have any way to have Forgiveness. Forgiveness only comes through faith in the cross. When this happens, we are justified, declared righteous by His blood. When we humbly repent and turn to Christ and come before the cross, realizing that we need Jesus to save us, we become justified. The word justified means to be declared righteous, like a court, a judge in court to say guilty or not guilty, done, covered. We are declared righteous, but only through the the cross that Jesus died, only through his death, not by good works that we do. Christ's righteousness for our guilty sins. There's a transfer. Our sinfulness went on Christ on the cross, and his righteousness, his perfectness, comes on us. There's an imputation, it's called a transfer. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, He, God, the Father, made Him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we in Him might become the righteousness of God. Has this happened for you? Have you become righteous because of your faith in Christ and what He did on the cross? I implore you, I beg you, this is not. If this transaction has not taken place, if you have not repented and believed in the gospel, I implore you, I beg you, please do it today. We have a few takeaways, and I'm done. Pastor Ken always does takeaways. What can we take away from our sermon? Children are important to God, so let me hear it. They should be important to us. One more time. Children are important to God, so they should be important to us. Parents, grandparents, take seriously your role to train up, to knock your children or grandchildren. Everyone, this is for everyone, see children, not as lesser, but as an important part of our church, say hi to them. Yeah, say hi to the parents. Sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of that side. I, I see the kids first, and then I forget to say hi to the parents. But yes, greet the parents, say hi, be friendly to the moms and dads, but then see the kids. Get down to their level. They'll think you're weird at first. Ask them how they're doing. Find out about them. Just give them attention too. And if you want some specific ways on how to love on our kids here in our church, I've got a PowerPoint that has 46 ways to love to say I love you. I'll share it with you if you want to, if you want to know. Forty six ways to say I love you to kids. Another way? Get involved in children's ministry. This is another way to show love, to put to put actions to what we've heard this morning. Get involved in children's ministry. VBS, We already talked about that. Awana, we already talked about that. There's there's opportunities to teach in Sunday school and helping children's church get involved. It's that simple. I'm going to land this plane now. This is my conclusion. I love the kids here at Bethel. I hope you know that. They are my passion. And so does God. So, let's go out of our way to love them prioritize them, befriend them, include them, and just show them that we care about them. They are the future of this church. I, I want you to know, I am committed to doing what Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 says, the verses that we read at the beginning with Pastor Dave. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently. That's the key word. Diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise. Basically, we should all be diligent in prioritizing kids in our church. By loving them and teaching them God's Word all the time. Will you join me in doing so? Let's pray. Our Father, what a great privilege it is to be together as a church around Your Word, worshiping You, hearing from You, And I pray the power of your word, not my words, but the power of your word to change lives, to speak to hearts, your Holy Spirit and your word. That's how you illuminate. That's how you help reveal to us what we need to change. I pray that through your Holy Spirit and through your word, that you would change us to be more like Jesus, to be more loving to our children here in our church. And I pray for these that are here today, maybe that have never believed the gospel, they've never repented, truly turned from their life of sin and self, and in faith believed that Christ paid the debt for them. I pray that you would grant them the grace to believe. And as we close our service in a couple songs, I pray that you would receive glory. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. In preparation for communion, Our team's going to lead us in a song called Behold the Lamb. I pray that you would think of these words and meditate on them as we approach the table.